and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We find ourselves in week four of a series of messages we've titled Faith Foundations. Week one, we talked about, you know, with this, with this key verse, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, talking about what faith is, but we even define faith as well as this uh, total confidence and trust in the providence and provision of God. Faith is a total trust in, in the providence and provision of God. And we talked about how we don't have to blindly trust the providence and provision of God. We've seen the providence and provision of God in him sending his son Jesus to earth. We've seen the heart of the father. We've seen the, we've seen the nature of the father in his son. We've seen it played out in Jesus. So as we place faith in Jesus, we're trusting in the providence and the provision of God, that he's gonna supply every need, that eternity is found in him, right? That, that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. Week two, we talked about how our faith, you know, faith isn't just, isn't just for us, but there's things that God does through our faith in the lives of others. And we talked specifically, we emphasized the relationship between children and their parents and how parents, we need you to stand firm in the faith. We looked at Ephesians 6 and talked about how, man, we're in a battle. This isn't a flesh battle. This is a spiritual battle. And we need some parents who are full of the spirit of God, some parents who are full of faith, who are going to fight for their kids. Amen. And, and so, yeah, it was, come on, that was... That was good. I hope that encouraged you. And then, and then in week three, did you just call your own message good? I think so. <laughs> Lord, humble me. Okay. Uh, week three, we talked about taking a step of faith. When God says go, you got to go. When God says come, you got to come. When he says stay, stay, stop, stop. Amen. It's about following Jesus. But we really encourage, maybe God's something, putting something specific in your heart and you've made excuses of why you can't step out, but it's time. It's time. So we're going to conclude this thing today. We'll start in a Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Before I jump into the key scripture for today, I just want to pray, and then I'll preach. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You're so good. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house. Um, Father, I pray that you would till the soil of our heart right now. Uh, help it to be fertile ground, fertile soil to receive the seed of your word. I pray that it would grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers of your word. God, we want to experience real transformation. So I pray that we wouldn't just hear this today, but we would apply it to our lives. And I pray that this church would foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I heard somebody laugh in you know, I explained a couple weeks ago where I really feel burdened uh, that this church is supposed to bring in kids as, you know, we're a, a safe town in the middle of the Bible Belt, America. And I really believe that this call to following Jesus is really a life of sacrifice. That's what it is. And I think it's easy for us to come in and play church. And there's other ways we can be sacrificial. But I believe a specific calling on this house, knowing that this town is safe, knowing the families in this community, the families in this church, the resource that's in this church, we have everything we need to pull lots of kids out of the system. So I just think that's a calling on us. James 1.27 says, pure religion is this. Pure and true religion is this, to care for the orphans and the widows. So that's what we're going to do as a church. And I just said, every week, I'm just going to pray that this church would start fostering kids. So if you hear that and you're like, wow, that was a random way to end a prayer. That's why I'm doing it, because I'm just going to pray every week that we'll start doing that. Is that all right? All right. Colossians 2, verse 1, it says this. I want you to know, this is Paul writing. 
to the church in Colossae, and he's saying this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Paul, Paul writes what he hopes to see in the church, that they would be knit together in love. He wants the church to be unified. He wants the church to love each other, for there to be unity, for them to embrace one another, to be knit together, strong ties. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. I want you guys to have confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is huge. Paul writes, in Christ, in him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's saying, I want the church to be unified, knit together in love. And I don't want you to be confused. All the treasures of this life are found in a relationship with Jesus. And then he continues to write in verse four, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with, with well-crafted arguments. At this time, they're, they're in a, a culture that's heavily influenced by pagan religions and pagan thought. And people have their ideas and offerings of how you can receive wisdom and knowledge. And Paul's just laying it out straight and say, the only wisdom, the only knowledge you need is found in Jesus. I don't want you to be confused about about that. It's all about Jesus. Let's say that together. It's all about Jesus. Verse five, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. He says, I'm not there with you. I know about your faith. I've heard about it. I'm rejoicing. I'm cheering you on from a distance because your faith in Christ is strong. And I love that. And then he writes in verse six, and now just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, just, just like it started, just like you were passionate about God one day, just like you accepted him, just, just when, it, when it first started, I want you to continue to follow him. So this, this faith thing we see, this is, this is process language. I want you to continue to follow Jesus. It's not just this one-time event and then we set it down and walk away and go live the rest of our life. No, 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 no. When you put faith in Christ, you, you committed yourself to following. Continue to follow him. We talked about this last week. Then he goes on in verse seven, he encourages the church, he exhorts the church. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Wow, what does it look like for our lives to be built on Jesus? What, what does it look like for our lives to be built on Jesus? And he says, when you do that, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. As we read this verse, as we observe the phrasing and the language of this verse, we discover an imperative principle about our faith. And it's this, that our faith is in process. That, that our faith is something that takes shape and it molds, but ultimately it grows. The, the reality is our faith can grow. And, and I love how Jesus talks about faith is like a mustard seed because faith can start small, but can grow wide like, like a mustard seed tree or bush or whatever a mustard thing grows into. Okay. But you've seen, if you look at those, come on, y'all know what it is. Yeah. You know, don't judge me. Okay. Pull up a Google picture really quick. Let's look at it, but we can see it grows big. That's what I know. It grows big, but it starts this big and that's, and that's faith. Y'all we put, we put our faith in Christ, but that's just 
the beginning. Paul's given us language that your faith is something that's going to grow. So live with this expectation that that faith isn't isn't just where it is and it's just going to stay there. But there's this growth. Does that encourage anybody that like, wow, there's more to experience in God. There's more to experience in the things of the kingdom. So he exhorts the church, continue to follow Christ in your, as you do, your faith is going to grow. Praise God. How do I follow Jesus? He he died, he got put in the grave, he resurrected, and then he shot off to heaven. How do I follow Jesus? Well, in the Old Testament, you'll see that believers followed the law. We're we're no longer under the law. We're under the law of the Spirit. So if you want to follow Jesus, we don't follow the law. We follow the Spirit at work within us. If 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 you follow the Spirit, that's how you follow Jesus. And this Holy Spirit is at work within us. It's leading us. It's guiding us, convicting us, prompting to us, whispering to the eardrum of our heart to to live this life out for him. So it's no longer a set of rules that we follow. It's deeper than that. It's more intimate than that. It's protecting our eyes, not just not cheating on your wife. It's, It's protecting your eyes. It's deeper than that. It's more intimate. We're under the law of the spirit. So how do I follow Jesus? I I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how I follow Jesus. And and Paul says to the church, continue to follow Jesus. And that's what it looks like. So build your life on Christ. He says, build your life on Christ. Build your life on Christ. Man, build your life on Christ. I don't even know if all of us attend church because we build our life on Christ. I think sometimes we attend church because that's what good people do. I wonder if sometimes we attend church because we, we get the goosebumps and maybe we cry a little bit. This, this is a, a pulse is build your life on Christ. What, what does that mean? We have to identify every aspect that that comes together in that folder of life. Think about all the things in your life. We got friendships, marriage, career, what we got, there's so much, uh, uh, parenting, all, all that. Build your life on Christ. And I, I think sometimes, I hope not, but maybe there's Christians in the room, you only build your Sunday mornings on Christ. And Paul's saying, build your life on Christ. What does it look like? That means when I'm, when I'm choosing my spouse, contemplating who I'm going to marry, do they help me in my relationship with the Lord? Do they push me in my relationship with Jesus? When I'm, when I'm identifying my friends and who I'm going to surround myself with and who I invite into my home, not that, you know, evangelism is different and that we're called the unbelievers, but who I'm most often surrounding myself with, do they push me towards Jesus? Am I building my friendships on Jesus? My money, how do I spend my money? Is it on fleshly things? Is it, is it to increase my identity? or am I sowing into others? Am I generous to others? Do I sow into that? Have I built my life on Christ? I just wonder, have some of us just built our life on Sunday morning? Or or, or our relationship with Jesus, our Sunday morning's built on Christ and no other aspect. Even where we look for joy, where we look for significance and purpose, is it in Jesus or is it in something else? Build your life on Christ. And he says, when we do, He says, there's an order. Paul in in this verse in Colossians, there's an order, there's a rhythm, there's a flow to our faith growing. And he says, faith in Christ is to follow Christ. And all we need is a mustard seed of faith. Amen? Start small. Faith in Christ is to follow Christ. To follow Christ is to build my life on Christ. And when you build your life on Christ, your faith grows strong. Now that seems backwards. Right? Shouldn't I have really strong faith before I build my life on Christ? 
No, because your faith is growing. So it's okay that it starts small. It's okay that you're a little discouraged about where you're at in your faith walk. It's okay you're a little discouraged about your knowledge of the Bible. Listen, we're growing. We're growing this faith to become more and more like Jesus. You have not arrived. You will not arrive. It's not one of our core. You know, we haven't written on this core value. It's not just written in vain. We really believe we're never finished. This, this will continue on and on. There's a rhythm. He says, your faith will go strong in Christ and then you'll overflow with thankfulness. It's a strong faith. It's almost as if, it's almost as if strong faith comes in. I don't want to say blindly following, but even when we don't really have super strong faith yet, it comes after we step out and trust God. And it's almost as if what makes our faith strong is not head knowledge, right? It's, it's experiencing the faithfulness of God as we go. And so we have to trust God and we have to step. If you want to see your faith grow, you have to put it into action. Wow. Because I think we try to get faith before we move. So it's just move with the small faith that you got. That'll preach. Amen. I had in my notes, am I losing anybody or y'all with me? And I just feel like y'all are with me this morning. Come on. Paul says, continue to follow Christ. Last week, we talked about stepping out in faith, but this is not a one-time event. And if I communicated it like that last week, forgive me. But this is about continuing to follow him, continue to trust him, continue to obey him. Paul says, continue to follow Christ. And you know what? I feel like often I say the same thing. I just word it a little bit differently. But if, but if you look at my Facebook posts, if, you, if, if we've had texting conversations, if you message me on Facebook, you'll see that I often end messages with let's keep going. And that's what it means. Don't stop. Let's continue in this journey of the faith. Amen. It's not some cute phrase. It's an exhortation from your pastor. We need to keep going. We need to keep following Jesus. You're going to be discouraged in life. Life's going to punch you in the mouth. Sometimes you're going to be sad. Sometimes you're going to be happy. Amen. There's, but no matter what, we have to keep going. Highs, lows, hurts, laughs, hugs, tears, mountains, valleys. The phrase and the mission remains, let's keep going. Paul is telling the church in Colossae, listen, faith isn't a one-time event, boy. We have to keep following Jesus. Let's keep going as you do. And as you do, as you keep going, your faith is going to increase. Your faith is going to grow strong. Paul wrote something else related to this idea and this topic in the second letter of Corinthians. I talked about how some holes were poked in the church over 2020, but also had some personal holes poked in me, specifically in my spiritual life over 2020, because I think there was a 14 week spread. I didn't preach one message. And what the Lord revealed to me in that time is my Bible reading was me studying for a message. And, and that's not what it was intended for. God's so much greater than that. His word's so much greater than that. Deserves so much more. Uh, there's, there's so much more there. But what I found is that I was leaning on my, on my sermon study time to also be my scripture reading for the week. And so when it came to when Pastor Mark wasn't preaching for 14 weeks, what did my spiritual life look like? What did my Bible reading look like? And there were some holes there. There were some holes. 
So when, when we came out of quarantine, I, I quickly set up some sort of accountability for my life. And I said, I'm always going to read. I'm just going to have my own reading plan that is always separate from my sermon preparation to make sure that this is, this is pursuit of Jesus. This is my intimacy with the Lord. And I, wanna, I want that to come out of this. I want this to be authentic and this to be real. And, and that devotion and pursuit to be constant, not, not dependent on something else. So anyways, what's cool now is there's a lot of times where out of my personal reading, I'm like, man, this fits right into what we're talking about on Sunday. And this is what happened here. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Paul writes this. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, says the veil is taken away. This veil represents blindness, separation. The veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when you put faith in Christ, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, when you receive the finished work of the cross as sufficient, as his sacrifice sufficient for the covering of your sin, when you put faith in him, a veil's removed. There, a veil comes off your head and your heart, and you, you are now the truth is revealed to you. So let's keep reading verse 18. So this is where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. The veil comes off. The spirit inhabits its temple, which is us. Amen. So, so all of us, verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see, everyone say see, and reflect. There's two parts to this. That veil is removed. So now I can see the glory of God. I can understand I can understand who he is. I, I understand purpose and significance. I understand his work. I'm not saying we have all the answers, but now we can see, but also we can reflect. So everything changes from that point on. The veil's moved. I see the glory and now I live it out in my life. Man, this is beautiful. So all of us have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is spirit. This is the, really the point I wanted to get to though, makes us more and more. Everyone say more and more. Y'all left me hanging there. Okay, so more and more. Okay, more and more. Okay, so what this is, some of us have been discouraged about where we're not in our spiritual life. And I just want to say, listen, you've forgotten that this is a process. God is developing and shaping and molding you. And some of you have been discouraged that your, your faith life doesn't look like Johnny's or your faith life doesn't look like Melissa's or whatever it is. So you've stopped going, which means you've stopped growing. And I'm here this morning to tell you, you have to keep going because you're constantly growing. And honestly, you're never Never going to be finished. That's why it's one of our core values. We're never finished because you're becoming more and more like Christ. So just keep pursuing him. Come on, you, you've been bad with the spiritual disciplines. Pick them back up. Come on, you made some mistakes. That's all right. Pick yourself up in his grace. Keep going. God, you have more. You're developing something in me. I'm becoming more and more like you. I want to reflect your glory. This, here's the theological term for it. It's the process of sanctification. It's the work of the spirit making us more and more like Christ. And some of us throwing the towel, we just need to keep going. Be encouraged. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. And if you're not where you're gonna be, get used to it. You're never gonna be, you're never gonna be where you're gonna be. <laughs> where you wanna be. We're never finished, right? But if you stop following, you stop growing. You have to keep going. And this is so much of the Christian life becoming like Jesus. 
to reflect the glory of Christ through the way that we live. I love this verse in the third chapter, 2 Corinthians. This is also from my personal reading, reading through 2 Corinthians. And, it, and Paul talks about how when, when we place faith in Christ, as we navigate our lives, we have a Christ-like aroma coming off of us. And I love that. I think about a Christ-like aroma as you walk into your office, Christ-like aroma as you walk into these schools, Christ-like aroma as you walk into, as you stop at the gas station and there's somebody there, or I go around and I, uh, people are, uh, they experience Christ through me. There's a Christ-like aroma coming off of me. Wow. This is the goal to carry a Christ-like fragrance anywhere and everywhere we go because we're on mission always. So we, so we, Okay, so we have to keep following Jesus. We have to keep going. That's what it says. But maybe we're sitting in here and we're like, Pastor Mark, I'm under your voice. I hear it. I, I want to keep following. But what does that look like practically? Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. I want to follow Jesus. Teach me how. Show me how. How do, how do I do it? So we talked, you know, it's that prompting, that following of the spirit, but there's also some practical things we can do. And this isn't rocket scientist. And probably 99.8% of you were raised in church as is. So you've heard the messages. You've heard the sermons. We got to pray. We got to read our Bible. You know, listen, here's some practical things, but where we get it wrong is when those things become a to-do list. When it becomes duty for God rather than my devotion to God. We, we, I think some of it is just a perspective change of what these spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices are for. Let's talk about the word of God, reading the word of God. Hebrews tells us that it's alive and it's active. Timothy tells us that it's God breathed. You know what that tells me? Every, every Bible in the room has a pair of lungs on it. It's breathing, right? It has a mouth on it. It's speaking, it's alive. And as we encounter God's word, right? We, we, there's interaction and there's something spiritual and supernatural that happens in me, in my heart, in my mind. As I, the, the, the Bible talks about how the word is the bread of life, right? Some of y'all are spiritually starving. You need to eat some bread. You need, to, you need to get some sustenance in your soul and in your spirit. And sometimes the only way we can eat is by being in the word of God. Your Bible is bread. Your Bible breathes. Anyone else got another B word? Come on, your Bible is blatantly awesome, all right? Get in your word. Get in your word. The, the, the word of God, it, it, it's, it's a sword. The word of God is our weapon. Amen? Two, we got to prioritize prayer. But again, it's, it's about pursuing God. It's about devotion to God, getting to know God, encountering God. You know, I love how David talks about search my heart, God. If we don't sit down and pray, I don't know that we're, we're going to be real sensitive to God searching our spirit. God convicting us, revealing things to us, whispering to the eardrum of our heart. Some of us pray before we eat because that's what we were taught we were supposed to do. Prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is conversation with God, amen? But also on top of that, prayer shifts things in the heavenlies, amen? I see in the Bible, I don't understand it all. I don't have the answers and God is sovereign and he has a plan, but I also see when people pray, things change. I see it when, when people pray, things change. And some of us, you know, we're like, uh, I am praying. Oh, I don't feel like praying. I get so distracted when I pray. This is devotion to God. Do you understand that your prayer is spiritual? It's divine. There's something I, we, we have to pray. It's devotion to God. It's communion with God. You've got to prioritize servanthood, generosity. I love how in the text, Jesus goes, the Father's given me all authority on heaven and on earth. You know, the next thing he does, wash his feet. Literally, it's in the same chapter. 
yeah, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. And he turns around and he washes his disciples' feet. I think there's a message he's trying to communicate there. You're never too good not to serve. You're never too holy not to serve. Amen? And then we got to, you know, I don't even know if we say the word evangelize in church anymore. Sometimes I think we come in here. Y'all treat this as your bread. Y'all come in, take a bite and leave. Come back the next week, take a bite and leave. And guess what? You got to supply bread to other people, right? Jesus broke the bread, but then he gave it to the disciples. Give it to them, right? Who are we feeding? Who, who are we bringing the bread of life to? Who, who are we bringing the word of God to? Who are we introducing to Jesus? Just, just a question of evangelism. Maybe some of y'all follow me on Facebook. Um, this week I met with a couple of LDS, Latter-day Saints, and uh, sat down with them. And it's, I didn't have it in my notes to tell, but I told first service, and I want, and I want to tell you guys, because I was at my house. I, I remember it was it's, it's a strange series of events. So I'm at my house. I get a friend request from a kid on Facebook. I see that he's an LDS missionary, but I see that he's in Marshfield. So I'm like, oh, okay, this kid, you know, he's friended me. Um, he's here to, you know, share, share his message. And I'm like, that's so interesting. I kind of, you know, I accept the friend request and I kind of sort through his page and I see a picture. It's him and a bunch of other probably 19, 20 year old dudes in Marshfield standing together. They have their name tags on and everything. And I'm thinking, there's a whole group of LDS saints in here, uh, in this town. And, and I, you know, I know a little bit about kind of the LDS culture and church. And so I know that they're here on mission. And, and I'm looking at these group of dudes. And I said to Abigail, I want to meet with these group of dudes. I want, I want to have a conversation with these group of dudes. And the reason I want to do that, because I believe they have a false gospel, but I see young men who are devoted to the mission. If we could get the right message in their hands, they might just change the world. Amen. So, so I said to Abigail, so I'm like, but I got to brush up on my LDS stuff because, so I start watching YouTube videos, right? Watch them all day. I was folding laundry, had YouTube on, on the TV. I, I remember I'm folding laundry, studying, listening to, to the debates and all that and, and growing in my knowledge, reading articles, all that. So then the next day I'm at a CrossFit competition. Mike Carey, I'm, I'm emceeing Emma's competition and guess who walks in? The group of all these dudes, where do they sit? Right next to me. They actually started playing with the shake weight on the counter and I made a joke about the shake weight. It was appropriate. I just said, I can't believe that thing's been invented. Who uses a shake weight to get in shape? I have no idea. So that's how we connected. <laughs> Stay focused here. Stay focused. So. They sit on the bench. We start talking. I make jokes about the shake weight, knowing that y'all are about to get hit with the storm. Amen. This ain't about a shake weight. This is about the glory of the Lord. They sit next to me. So I'm like, you guys are on mission. What are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, my name is Mark. I actually pastor a church in town. They're like, oh, really? And I'm like, you friended me on Facebook. You know I pastored. But whatever. Yeah. Can you believe it? Anyways, I'm, I ended off conversation with them. Before the day ended, I said, listen, fellas. I said, I would love to sit down and chat with y'all. I said, because we both can't be right. They said, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So we go to El Charo this week and we sit down and they, they share some of their thought. I share some of my thought. And, it, and if you've been involved, any of you coming out of the LDS church? Vulnerable time to do it. I understand that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't raise my hand either. I guess. I had, a, I had a woman after first service come up to me and she said, I, I, came out, I came out of the church and she shared that story with me a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, but, but anyway, so we're sitting there and we go back and forth and sharing our different, you know, theological thoughts and stuff. And um, forgot to bring my Bible up. Yeah, I'll take it. 
Would you guys turn with me to Colossians chapter one really quick? So we talked about lots of things. I talked about lots of my concerns and things that I wrestled with and why I struggled to accept it as truth and why I think that they should be leery to accept it as truth. And ultimately the thing that we came down to and, and one of the things they got hung up on was they believe that Jesus is a created being and that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, but they just went different ways. Jesus is the good, is the good son, devil is the bad son, but they're on the, on, on the level playing field. And that's not my Jesus. My Jesus, my God has existed as spirit, father, and son eternally. They are not created beings. I don't understand the Trinity. I, I don't know how to break it down. I just know that it's all God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they, and they don't accept that. They believe that Jesus was created, but there's, there's the Father above all. That's not God. God the Trinity is, is a real thing. So what I, what I was trying to explain to them is I said, guys, listen. I, I said, let's open up Colossians chapter 1. What translation is this, Mandy? NIV. Beautiful. All right, Colossians 1 verse 15. You see in your Bibles, is anyone there with me? Okay, so you'll see in the heading, it says the supremacy of the Son of God. And it says this, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. And you can look at all of creation and what you discover is that God created all things through Christ. I know we're getting deep here, but what I said to them, I said, listen, God didn't create Jesus. God created through Jesus. I said, Lucifer is a created being. Jesus is not a created being. John tells us in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God, right? So, so what I tell them is, fellas, here's why I wanted to meet with you because I love you. I don't think you have the real Jesus. My Jesus is not created, right? My Jesus is above Lucifer. My, my, my God is, is dominant over Satan. And here you go. Thanks for letting me read that. Evangelism, telling people, it, right? Because here I see this group of kids building their faith on the wrong foundation. What I believe the wrong foundation, but, but they have hearts to build. And, and there's people, we're surrounded, we're in a world where people are building their faith on the wrong foundations and we need to get them the right foundation, the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, amen? In all those things, we experience the character and the nature of God. Kim, you can come if you don't mind. And when we do those things in pursuit of him, not doing those things because it's our checklist, not doing those things because that's what makes a good person, when we do those things in pursuit of him, we will certainly grow in our faith. And those things will nurture and nourish our faith and it will grow and we know this. Yet, it's at times easy to neglect the day-to-day -day of prayer, of Bible reading, of generosity, of whatever, because I get it, life gets busy, life gets stressful. Some of y'all got kids acting crazy, you got sport, sporting events, four times a week. You're running every direction. You know, maybe you and your wife have been fighting. You're frustrated. You're trying to make time for the gym. You can't get there. Work's been wild. Life gets busy and crazy. And we forget about the spiritual disciplines, just, just the basics, right? And we, and we get lost running around to the rhythms of life. But 
we know that the basics are good, but church, I have to tell you that to just know that they're good is not enough to, to grow your faith. It is, it is about doing the basics in pursuit of God, doing the basics, chasing the reward that is Him. Not a checked off to-do list, not just I, I did what I was supposed to do, but encountering Him, growing in your relationship with Him, getting to know the fullness of Him, to do the basics in pursuit of him. That's really the goal. I'm trying to get to Jesus. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to grow in my faith. And I wonder if there's people who you're in the room and you've been discouraged because you're sensing some spiritual dullness in your life. Been praying. You come in every week asking God, hoping that God will revitalize your devotion, but you feel dull. And I just want to tell you this, if you do this faith thing alone, you're going to stay dull because the only way we get sharp is by surrounding ourselves with iron. That's what the word says, Proverbs 27, 17. You want to get sharp, get around some iron. As one man sharpens one another, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So one friend sharpens another friend. You, you want to get sharp? You want to get sharp? You want to get lifted up out of this spiritual dullness that you've been experiencing? You need some accountability in your life. You need some people to walk with you who are going to say, hey, you're still going, right? Yeah, you're still going? Yeah, I'm still going. Okay, we're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I'm a little discouraged today. That's okay, man. That's okay. Man, remember who you are in Jesus. Come on. Yeah, let's keep going. That's okay, man. I struggled last week, man. I, I slid. I don't think I can do it. No, 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 man. You got it. Come on, let's go. You're good. You got this. We need a Accountability. We need people to keep, keep us sharp. If you feel dull, if you feel dull, I would challenge you to evaluate your closest community. Are they believers who are, are stretching you, challenging you, right? Exhorting you at times. I, I can tell you this. One of the most transformative things in my life I ever experienced was a small group. Me and Abigail started dating. She had just kind of walked out of a, you know, she, she was walking into a new season of life without throwing all your dirty laundry all over everyone like I normally do. I'll just, you can tell that story sometime, but she had just walking without a lot of friends, without a lot of community. I was good on community. I had my homeboys. It wasn't the right community, but I had my homeboys. I was good. I didn't need more friends. And she and we decided, ah, oh, we should do this life group. There's this couple of friends doing this life group. And, and they were like, I'm like, whatever. I just want you to have some community because I can't be your only community. So let's do the life. I don't really want to do it, but whatever. We can do it. Let's, let's do the life group. And we get into this life group. And y'all, it was the most powerful thing that ever happened to me. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would even... I don't even know if I would be in ministry right now without this life group. It was transformative for me. It was transformative for her. God developed things in me, he put accountability around me, and I got sharp because I got surrounded by iron. And, and here's what I need. You can't just have one piece of iron being Pastor Mark trying to sharpen all of y'all. You guys are iron. There's iron sitting in these seats, and, and, and I believe God's given you everything you need. You know God's faithfulness. You, you, know, you know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You got all you need. You got a house with three couches. You got all you need to lead a life group. And I'm asking the church to be some iron for other people and it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be sacrificial but if all we do is just come to church week after week and sit in seats and we don't foster kids and we don't lead life groups and we don't have bible studies and we don't give then we're playing church then we're playing church what are you doing faith is active we got to do something with our faith 
Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.